I'm having my one. Ho, 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 and welcome to the 37th instalment of the I'm Having My One podcast, a podcast we made about board games. I'm joined, as always, by my helpful little elf, Tom. Merry holiday season. And his reindeer friend, Paul. Nah, I don't know what noise a reindeer makes. I think it was near enough, that. Good thing. I mean, if you, if you watch Froze, the Frozen movies at all, it's kind of just his, like, human voice. But this time, like, that. <laughs> That's right, listeners, it's time to talk about the C word. That's it, Christmas. Not long until it'll be upon us, but in this week's episode, we're going to be chatting about the undaunted system of games. We've had another go at making a little buyer's guide for everything you may need uh, for your festive board game related gifts. Uh, And we're also getting in early with our very own secret Santas. Uh, So we're going to be unwrapping some presents so you can get our reactions live. Uh, all that's standing in our way is a little musical interlude. So today we're talking about a big one, the Undaunted system of games as a whole. These originally came out back in 2019 with Undaunted Normandy, uh, designed by Trevor Benjamin and David Thompson and published by Osprey Games. Uh, all of the Undaunted games to date are set in various theatres of war in the, in the Second World War, so uh, Normandy came first. Uh, and in Normandy, you're tracking the events during the uh, during and following the D-Day landing in June 44. Uh, but then in 2020, they released uh, Undaunted North Africa, um, which gives you access to the uh, the African theatres from both points of view. Um, then they released uh, what they called their reinforcement pack uh, in 2021, and that was designed to bolster both of the two games. Uh, in 2022, they released the monster that is Undaunted Stalingrad, uh, and this follows the events of 1942 uh, in uh, in Stalingrad and is in a bit more of a legacy game format. I guess more, not legacy, more of a campaign format, campaign, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it links together. But I guess there are le- legacy elements that yeah, sure. you, know, you blow up a certain building in, in February, then in the next game, that building's not there anymore. Sure. Uh, and then finally, last year in or this year, sorry, in 2023, we got Undaunted Battle of Britain, where we take to the skies above France uh, and Britain, uh, and this includes things like the retreat from Dunkirk uh, and 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 the competition for aerial control over the beaches, fields, and cities of England. Um, the games all follow a fairly similar game system, so perhaps one of you guys wants to lead us off uh, and tell us about what players are actually going to be doing in these games. Oh, they're, they're basically deck building games, right? That you um, have a starting deck of cards, which will represent a uh, a certain number of the units that you can get. And depending on the scenario, there'll be more or less of those. And through the gameplay, you are going to use those cards to play, to move your units around the board. Um, but also you can add, mostly add, you can remove as well, but mostly add to that, that deck. As you're going through so that could be adding in more uh cards from the same squad or it could be adding new units altogether on the game board which is slightly varies but it uh in in each of those of the series but you basically got a uh set of um cardboard uh squares or you know uh, bases that you're going to put out across to create your map uh, and you know you've got I don't know, 40, 50 of these in total in the game. And then you're just going to arrange them in different sequences, double-sided, so you've got a different looking map. On there, you'll have different objectives that are set. And largely, and certainly if we think about the first one anyway, in Normandy, it's fairly straightforward there. You've got objectives on the map. You are going to play your cards to move your units to capture those objectives. Perhaps we won't go into the nitty-gritty about how that's done necessarily, but you'll uh, go there and do that. As units get shot out of your deck, uh, a card, a soldier, you know, on the on those cards, it's not just a soldier. It is the soldier with the, the with the name on it and everything. So that guy is killed and taken out of your deck, gradually thinning, thinning the, the deck out. Um, but again, as I say, you can kind of add more cards in. However, once all of one of those squads, let's say a squad has been depleted, that is then removed. Uh, from the game the token on the board is removed from the game as well that changes a little bit as you go through some of those others in the series beyond uh, Normandy most notably the biggest change is in Battle of Britain where those become um, planes and 
uh, there, there are you know slightly different ways in, in the way in which that's going to work and you're going to approach the game but still ultimately it's a deck of cards that you've got that rep- then is represented on the the board by individual tokens that you are moving around uh, hex to hex in that in that case yeah and i think uh, so you touched uh, so one of the one of my best things that you touched on there was the like the, the personification of the people because i think in normandy and, and africa i think they had names on them mm-hmm. but maybe they were like the squad leaders whereas um when we got then to um yeah because they were just like in in normandy and north africa they're all just like riflemen b right it does you've got names so it's like otto fritz or whatever so they are the, the individual names but i think i know where you're going this it's sort of built on more it's built on more, yeah. And Stalingrad was way more about like the individual members. The story of, the of that guy, right? Yeah, right. And you could see that 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 like that Pavel, you know, did really really well, and then he managed to get upgraded, and and then he became even better. And then you got like the visual of like of epic Pavel, but then like two <laughs> games later, he gets injured, and then you come back, and now all he's got left is a spade or something. And it's just like oh, it's Pavel. so good so good yeah and that the 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 sort of little stories as you're going through which you know absolutely what has been done to its greatest version through Stalingrad so far it's still there all the way through I think that that unit uh that you know you you recognizing that even if it's you know your, your Spitfire pilot Spitfire bird um that you are achieving victory through that guy on that one and then that mission then you're going forward and doing that one or you've just been within a mission the story that individual pilot it sort of gives you the personification and gives you the bit that i love right which is the the theme and the more we're we're trying to to simulate or play out so we we've talked quite a lot about stalingrad in um in the last in the last year because it's been quite a big game for for the two of us mm. but normandy certainly the one that got us into the series and i think actually for for normandy you and you know the two of you guys played that together uh loads over tts didn't you yeah masses i think it the way it builds as well adding extra extra units and kind of extra tension and it it's just balanced so nicely isn't it mm. um i think the only thing that lets the game down sometimes is uh tom your dice rolling <laughs> i had such bad luck in that when we were playing it first time through like i swear i think i played as the germans didn't i and then you know just we played it all the way through barely barely won a, a, a game and we started to play it back through the other way and clearly the americans were easy mode uh all the way through <laughs> suddenly managed to roll much better for, on that one yeah i yeah i think i think normandy is brilliant and they make the game feel very thematic so all the missions have got some pre-mission gump to read about you know what's actually going on with this battle and they are based on historical conflicts so you can kind of immerse yourself maybe feel a bit more part of it um and even though Obviously, in Stalingrad, as you said, um, the the characters, depending on injuries or upgrades, they they will change as the game goes along. Mm. But even in Normandy and and all the others, all the characters are named. Mm-hmm. You know, there is individual artwork for each person, and they've got their own little name. Um, they make it quite clear that they're not they're not based on anyone specific that fought in any of those conflicts. But it could have been so easy with, you know, your rifleman to have just cards with generic rifleman throughout the deck, right? But they've gone to that extra length of adding individual artwork. And I think it's those little touches that really make these games. They are such a massive point, right? It could just have been like, they're your rifleman cards, they're your gunner cards, and they're just cards absolutely hit the nail on the head here and so so tom you recently uh i think while you're waiting for someone else to arrive to a game night you introduced dave to this yeah and i think he was someone who was a little bit apprehensive about it because he thought oh war game you know is this just going to be really um difficult rules wise and something i'm maybe not going to be so into and we played uh, North Africa, which I've only ever played the first couple of missions of. It's sort of been behind Stalingrad and then we got excited about Battle of Britain. So we've been playing that and it's still sitting behind there for you and I, Neil, um, for our in-person plays. 
Um, but he had a really good time with it. We played that first mission, which is very straightforward. Um, but I think this is one of the things that one one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it really is to encourage people to to get on board and have a go because it's such a good entry point, I think, to um that side of the hobby. It doesn't necessarily need to lead to you know getting into heroes of normandy or combat commander or bolt action or something like that or north africa you know does it (laughs) that's the absolutely extreme of where it could end up probably um it could do and if it does fantastic um but i think there is um a little bit like we were talking about last episode i think with some maybe some of the train game 18xx stuff i think that this side of the hobby as well can seem a bit like a bit stuffy and excessively nerdy and complicated um, but actually, there are some really, really good games in this genre that are, I can think, can be mass appeal. Even if it's just not something you're very, very interested in the history of it or anything like that, it's still a fun game to play. And this series is so good. The point you're making, Paul, as well about Normandy being a great uh, entry point within the series and the way in which it sort of ramps up the rules and what you're doing. You see that across all the games, but I think Normandy probably does it best what i've seen so far um it's it just it's it's something i'm obviously very passionate about and talk about it a lot uh but there's so many good uh games to play in in this um in this genre and undaunted is just the perfect entry point for that it's the gateway game for for historical war gaming for me yeah oh, you... no. oh gone sorry i was gonna say and if you did want to look at something like Stalingrad, I would recommend just playing the first few scenarios of Normandy. Yeah. Yep. I, I think it, it gets you that concept of not only growing your deck, but then shrinking your deck and the tactics you might need before you then move on to the, the kind of campaign element that, that Stalingrad brings. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you you first taught this to me um have you introduced anyone else to this game yet yeah um joe my eldest we've played uh most of the way through the normandy campaign um switching sides but then we got distracted by battle of britain which we're really enjoying Uh, oh i didn't know you were playing it uh, okay yeah i was again same but but he's selfishly gone off to university to get educated so (laughs) i'll be back for christmas in a week so our, our plane game has stalled, um, nice. but uh, so I'm I'm hoping to maybe get Kyra on it. Although in in slight other news, um, I go once a month to a, a board games club, which meets in uh, a local church where they've got their sort of not in the church seating area kind of thing, church hall, but they're turning it into a little cafe um, well, there is cafe facilities. It closed down over COVID and they couldn't quite get it going. But whatever's happened, the finances are there. But they're leaving some of the games from the board game um, club actually out so people attending the cafe can go. But I think some of the people might be there on a semi-regular basis. So I might just pop down on the odd day with uh, Battle of Britain tucked under my arm and see who's available. Very good. And Tom, you recently had a couple of scenarios in North Africa. Oh, no, sorry. It was North Africa that you taught today, wasn't it? Yeah, so we did the, just the one, yeah. So that's one that, that I really look forward to playing a bit more of. I don't think you're allowed to say that... It's probably going to make the effort. I don't think you're allowed to say you got a favourite bit of World War II, but <laughs> the, the the North African theatre certainly is the whole kind of... Yeah, that... that that's Long-range desert group uh, versus the Italians. This is... A, another thing that i love about this series which they've done so well and just makes me excited for whatever they do in the future um david thompson and trevor benjamin is that they've all they're all basically got at, at its heart the same dna as we're saying is that deck building element in the way in which you move around the board but they've done so well to add something that just makes them different enough as you go through we haven't ever done reinforcements. We'll talk about that separately in a minute, perhaps. But Normandy starts you off fairly straightforward. The units that you've got, um, sure, introduce some new things to you, but it's the, the basics, basically. North Africa, then same sort of thing. But this time, you've got 
one side which is a bit more traditional um uh you know army the italians there that plays very much really like the americans and germans do in in normandy but then you've got long-range desert group which are a bit more about uh you know stealthy getting in blow stuff up you know sniper on the hill kind of situations rather than anything else so so changes up the the dynamic of what you're doing there by adding a lot more um uh asynchronous sort of play that's not what i mean asymmetric play which normally wasn't it was exactly the same you had two armies that were exactly the same basically um short per scenario stalingrad campaign talk some more about that perhaps in a minute uh Battle of Britain, you know, big change. It's in it's in the air. You've got to deal with the fact that these planes are always moving. Your units have to keep moving. The planes can't just drop out of the sky. Absolutely genius the way they just added a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of difference. Uh, every single one. It's so clever. Stalingrad, though, as a uh, a point. Then, so this campaign that they put together, um, you know, no secret. It's just just one of my favourite games ever. This, but. We had so much, and I'm going to repeat what we've done before, Neil, but we had so much fun with this game, right? Over yeah, sort of three it was months. Yeah, absolute hoot, wasn't it? It was, mm. it was great. And it was good to, to see it through as well and to get it done. And it never felt like a chore. It was always exciting to play the next level. It was a genuine shame when it was over. Yeah, yeah it was really good. I must say, if I if I had to offer my first critique of the of the of the the the, the series mm-hmm. i definitely prefer the ground-based combat to the air-based i think or whether i just don't get it but my i'm just on the ground i can see a building i know maybe it's <laughs> i just suck at the air. i just suck at battle of britain but you know on the ground i'm like sweet get to that building set it up you know get get some cover going get some whatever going like Fine. I, I guess I guess I'm just I'm just an army over RAF kind of guy if I were uh, to get thrown into it because clearly I suck as a pilot and I just which is ironic because then when it goes to uh, space battles you, you absolutely trounce me every single time so <laughs> so talking of space battles how are we oh, what a segue what a segue what a segue undaunted uh, 2200 Callisto yeah I don't know. <laughs> they've not released enough but i'm excited i'm in i'm sold right so what is it what what do we know it's undaunted in space <laughs> in 2022 that's basically all we know right no not 22 22 2200 coming out 2200 that's it Gosh, um, yeah we don't know a huge amount but what they have said hmm. is it's the, the two-player game that you kind of know, they're also introducing a four-player option and there's going to be a solo player mode. A solo player mode? I'd missed yeah. that. Ooh. Yeah, I missed that. So that looks really good. Ooh. I like the idea of four-player, for sure. Well, this it is would be of... great if they did that. Sorry, Tom. It would be great if they did that a la unmatched almost, right? Yes, sure, sure. And so, so like I control A squadron, you control B squadron. Right, that I think that reinforcements does. So that is the one of those that have come out that we've never touched. It, I think, for Normandy and North Africa, gives you a whole load of new missions and things like that. So it's kind of, you know, if you got more more of the same, maybe I can't dismiss it like that because of what I was saying before of it being so good. But it also gives you uh, vehicles to use in Normandy and also introduces a two v two. Uh, game to I think both Normandy definitely Normandy but I think also North Africa as well which would be really fun to go uh, and have a go with so going back to something you mentioned Neil and not necessarily World War Two, but it could be if they were to bring out a uh, an undaunted of your choice is there a particular conflict would you like them to go historical I mean Tom you and I are going to get into some Napoleonic gaming you know, I was just about to say undaunted Napoleonics because surely there's so much, <laughs> like you could almost you could almost base it on Napoleon, right, and go through all of the the various. You'd have to zoom out. I think that's the problem. Yeah. Is that one of the things about um, uh, undaunted is there's a you know you got like a platoon. It's it's squad based tactical combat, right? And and most of the stuff that Paul and I will learn all too soon about the Napoleonic stuff is lines of of. Yeah. of troops in in a row right i mean i guess there probably was some small scale stuff but that's what it's most known for 
Yeah, so it doesn't have to be. But but what would you like to see then? Me or Neil still? Either of you? Or we could have some awkward silence. So <laughs> I think that, you know, there is a you know, a mine of of stuff that you could do um in in the second world war i'm certain that they will do something like a, a market garden arnhem thing at some point i would imagine i can't believe that they wouldn't do although it's it's osprey which is a british firm which you know if we look at how we think about world war Two, we don't really think about the pacific that much but i'm sure they'll do something in the pacific at some point u.s marines uh, versus um, entrenched Japanese, but also I wouldn't be surprised if they went a bit into Vietnam or something like that. It just would that's seem like that... massively lends itself to to that sort of thing. That's Vietnam would be say is undaunted Vietnam. Mm. Um, Tom and I have been listening to a a, a podcast, a World War Two based podcast, and uh, the one battle that I never knew about that really piqued my interest was uh, the. British French conflict in Madagascar that went on for six months, uh, yeah. where the British uh, kind of chased the French through until six months in a day, where they gave up um, specifically because then they could retire with full military pensions. <laughs> um, there was the British invasion of Iceland, but that was probably the one the quickest. All, all about the niche theatres, yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> That's only going to be one scenario, though, which is, can we come here? No. Okay, we declare war. Okay, we give up. <laughs> <laughs> Might not make for a great game. What What about you, Neil? Is there anything you'd particularly like to see? Before Tom mentioned it, then <laughs> Vietnam was the one that I was looking at. Um, I think that that, 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 that would uh, play well. I wouldn't mind them going into the First World War. Mm-hmm. Might be interesting, yeah. Um, trench, some trenches and things. Yeah, how to deal with that? Mm, I think some trench warfare undaunted would be good. Yeah. Just really so it feels like a very delicate subject to be like, oh, I'd love to see them do World War One. Yeah, um, oh, it's the whole thing. <laughs> it, it is right. That's what's difficult. Get some um, horses in there. Yeah, right. Just be like Battlefield One, greatest game ever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so. You're in on the theme. So what are, would we say, some lighter alternatives? So let's say I've got someone who's a massive, uh, war, you know, historian, but fairly new to wargaming. So what's something really, really light that we could try them on that that, that might be uh, a good segue, you know, prior to Undaunted? Or let's say Undaunted's too heavy for someone and they want a lighter experience. What are we going to give them? So you might disagree with me on a lighter experience. It's a big game, but actually it's really simple. It would be something like Memoir 44. Yeah, it's a great shout. Tom, you could buy that for the 19th time. <laughs> to play with then, then I can get it to the 20th, which is when they give you the medal. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a good call. Um, the, yeah, it's just a bit of a no-brainer. Maybe slightly extend that out to some of the other commanding colours, but I think the, the Memoir 44 is by far the most accessible of all those and we've had a good time with it again i think that's maybe the other point to just go on i think you know we none of us like mega mega hex encounter war gamers but um you know i think this series has a lot for uh for people the beginning or kind of fairly fairly into the into the hobby as well i'd put as a lighter option air land and sea like we mm-hmm. all enjoy a game of that that's that's or blitzkrieg you know that's yeah blitzkrieg definitely I think the like problem it. with Airland and Airland and Sea is great. I'm not knocking it as a as a choice, but if we're, if we're trying to tempt people to play Undaunted with us, Airland and Sea is kind of a bit more abstract. As in, there's no you don't have physical dudes to move about. Sure, sure, sure. But that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The thing I, that's think, a I bit think tricky though is that like the tactical stuff, and this is that, and you know, I just maybe don't have a wide enough knowledge of the hobby, but. The tactical stuff so often is really complicated up to, you know, you guys heard of advanced squad leader ASL. Mm-hmm. That is just this thing that's been around since the seventies. I think is incredibly, as far as I can see, complicated and impenetrable um, series of, you know, troops moving around. And there's, there are hundreds of tactical games. I've never really seen one that has the same 
kind of simple element. So I think I'm I'm kind of with you in needing to to draw some sort of comparison to go to other simpler war games and you know even some of the stuff that we played on on rally like 300 earth and water being there long way removed from something like undaunted but again super simple little cubes on the map yeah uh war game cousins war and um yeah have you had a go at that yet uh yeah i've had a had a set it up by myself and uh switch seats to play it Mm -hmm. i think that's got a, a lot of potential um and whatever the one you've got that I can never remember the title of that I lent you. March of mm. Progress. Mm? March of Progress. March of Progress, yeah. Is there? We haven't tried it yet. I'm sorry. No right. I'll play that with you. I've enjoyed that. March of Progress is brilliant. Um so so I agree. I think that I think that memoir is a bit lighter, but I would put that in the sort of the the sidesteps. So that was my next question is is okay, so I've 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 played Undaunted, I've played all of them. I'm not a massive heavier gamer, so I don't want to get any heavier. What else can I can I do to to kind of to 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 skip around the same sort of levels? So Tom, I I had a very very light little intro game with you of Heroes of Normandy. I say yeah, hmm. a different system, but again, it's like it's truly simple. And uh, and funnily enough, I pl- I played that with Dave before mm-hmm. uh, before he tried Undaunted with you, and it's mm. just it's so easy to start yeah. getting into and to understand the iconography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think, I think definitely. Um, I would think probably something I've not played it, but this company of heroes game that we saw mm. on Kickstarter a little while ago, there's a series called conflicts of heroes uh, as well, which has several in this series, which I think is quite, um, quite, it's more complicated. I would say simple really, but um it's quite simple. <laughs> There's again still on that on the the, the tactical side of things. Um, that you then I think goes you know the bit more zoomed out again. But uh, go back to the others in the Command and Colors series, of which there's so many. If um, if that interests you, you know you put Battle Lore and um, Battle Cry. I think is in there as well. Okay, and then and then if you want to get heavier, surely I think you'll all agree. Uh, then we can start getting into block war gaming, right? And and I think so. I mean, something like Hammer of the Scots is really not too tricky. But then, yes, you do start to get into into stuff that that becomes more more complicated, and I think more like a war game. But I think that's also one of the reasons why I love block war games is that they are they are also not the hex encounters type type thing. So I think they are more accessible. Right. So then- like. Which of the the block war games is your entry point? Hammer, so it's definitely yeah. got to be hammer. I think there are. It kind of depends on your theme because if we look at those other ones that we played, they're not massively more complicated. I'm really getting into the um, Julius Caesar game on on Rally at the moment, and you know, is it just is it just that we really know Hammer very well? They're all they're all kind of much for muchness. There are more complicated ones out there. Um, you can go a lot more complicated with the block, but. Uh, but those Columbia ones, anyway, are, are really good for that. I think, and I think you've got stuff like I know, I know we didn't quite get on with it, but I think it was a good game. It was eight seven eight Vikings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a whole series of those as well. Yeah. Um, I think they're called Birth of America, um, which are like American Revolutionary War, War of eighteen twelve, all this kind of stuff, which is just kind of cubes rather than the little minis. Hmm. Um, it does does a lot of good stuff, but it also Neil. Sorry if you can roll your eyes at this. Let me bang on about coin too much, but I think uh, going too far down into the coin route is you know you start to get very much more complicated. Uh, and something like Fire in the Lake is a long way away from it. But I do think things something along the lines of of Cuba Libre is is on the simpler end. It's not too difficult um to to be getting your head around and, I, and I, i'm afraid i don't know a lot about them at the moment but i know that there are also a smaller series kind of meant to be a little bit more focused which is um it's called kind of cousins of of the coin series as well which are which are out as well which are kind of focused on even two player games there's one called um the british way 
which is uh, come out fairly recently, um, which are again kind of that counterinsurgency. Um, but I think they're intended to be on the the slightly simpler coin uh, coin element. I look at it now; I've still got a weight of three ten <laughs> on BGG, so maybe it's not that simple. Right, and maybe just just touching, you're dead right about the 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 coin stuff. Do you maybe do you maybe get there via a few games of Root, or, or yep. you know, you play Root and then you have a game of Pax Premier, and then and then yeah. I think that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. And then look, there's a whole other world that maybe we won't start talking about of of other minis that are the like Wings of Glory stuff, Bolt Action, all those kind of things that actually are not 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 too complicated we, we don't really know how to play bolt action but at uk games at expo we threw, threw a few dice for half an hour didn't we paul it was uh it it was fine it's, it was fairly right. straightforward um and where am i going with this i think what i'm saying is that those i would encourage somebody to kind of go down that route but that feels like a long way away that if you are mr mrs they uh board gamer um you i think you can get into your undaunted series series from its its deck building and simple combat which i've really talked about it's just roll of the dice um fairly simple where something like bolt action does feel very remote from uh from from everdell uh uh you know my city uh june imperium sort of player right yeah absolutely all righty so if we had to put a score so Normally we do this about a certain game, right? And we give the game a score. If you had to put a score on the whole of the Undaunted series as a one-up, what's that score going to be, Paul? Oh, it's really tough. Um, I think I'm going to go 8.5. I think I think the series is good. Um, I'm actually really enjoying Planes. I think they've done really well to, you know, tweak tweak something like that. I don't feel I've played enough Stalingrad to... I think we've done what two campaigns uh two of the two of the missions um i feel i need to play that a bit more to really get to grips with that campaign element um but yeah 8.5 good tom i'm gonna try and keep this short i just think it's so good i think anyone should have a go it's a 10 i think this this series Ooh. is and it's funny because when it was uh, keep it short jesus <laughs> when i first played normandy i didn't get it but having played them so much more now, I think it, the the Undaunted series has provided some of the most interesting and fun board game play I've had in the last few years. Ten. Yeah, good. Okay. I think I'm somewhere between you guys. So uh, as a system, I think I've put it as a nine. So, so uh, I think, yeah, they're great. They're such good games. They're such good games. Um, Stalingrad definitely bumped the score up for me. Um, yeah, I'm not sold by the idea of Callisto, if I'm honest. I don't know, I don't know. We'll give it a go, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not as on board on it because much for the historical setting, but it's it's a little bit like their, their new game, um, General Orders. I kind of looked at it and thought, oh, I'm not completely sure. I'm, um, I'm in love with that in the same way, but it's the same duo. They've done this so well. Just got to give it a go, really. Have the faith. Trust in Thompson and Benjamin. Yeah. Great. So that was the Undaunted System of Games, probably one of our joint favourites uh, and one we hope that you might like to check out, uh, whether it's on a casual basis with a friend uh, or whether you fancy taking it on a much grander experience with the likes of Stalingrad. Uh, we love it. Uh, and we hope someone from Osprey is listening and sends us Callisto to try. <laughs> well, I think you two are very middling, whereas I was very keen on Callisto. So if you're going to send it, people, up to the north, please. <laughs> okay, so last year we did a little board game buyer's guide. For that member of the family that you thought might be looking for a nice little gift, uh, last year we broke this segment up into three price brackets. Um, you know, going for a sort of a fairly a fairly inexpensive, a medium and a high ticket item. Uh, we've done things a little bit differently this year and we've each uh, picked both a game and an accessory in three different tier of gamer levels. So casual slash beginner gamer, 
midweight gamer and heavy gamer and then for each we've got a game and, a, and an accessory so hopefully that makes sense but um these are things that we would recommend um as as, as nice gifts certainly uh for me they're all games that i would uh, games or, or accessories that i'd be very very happy with so let's start off nice and small with our casual gamers and let's begin with the game themselves so which which games are our top picks as presents for a uh, for a for a non gamer slash beginner gamer slash casual gamer? Let's start off with Paul. So so I picked for the kind of entry level game, but do you know this is brilliant for anyone, and especially with Christmas coming up, uh, I picked just one. We've talked about it a lot, but I think it's the best party game out at the moment. It's so simple. Yeah, that would be my choice. Yeah, it doesn't need much more saying than that, but yeah, fantastic option, Tom. The game, I've chosen Ghost Blitz, which was one that, Paul, you introduced uh, to me. We recently, add, recently added it to the collection um, for my Tool 2's 4 to play it, and with only a little bit of help, a little bit of chances here and there, she, she does it absolutely fine, and brain operates quicker than most grown-ups, anyway, I think, so for these <laughs> sorts of things. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say I'll give her a game when I come down, but maybe not. <laughs> it's just so infuriating at this game. I just can't do it. It's, yeah, it's really clever little game of just, you know, seeing what's on the card uh, and relating that to these these objects that are in front of you, like a ghost and a book and so on. And uh, it's all about what the colours of those things are. And, and much like all these sorts of things, kids' brains just work better. Anyway, uh, you can pick this up for £12.95 from Zatu right now. Um, so a really a great little present for a non-gamer uh, or beginner gamer. And plays up to large numbers as well. So brilliant for Christmas. Good. So for my pick for a game, it's, it's slightly more expensive than those two. Uh, but I've gone for... Ticket to Ride, which is just a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone for that, and I'm aiming at the complete beginner gamer because you've probably seen it in Waterstones. Um, you've probably most people have probably kind of seen or heard about it by this point. There's a great app version of this. Yeah, there is, mm. and that just gets people into games. Like, like my 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 father-in-law and his wife, they both play Ticket to Ride on the app, and they and they are they would they would. I don't think I'd get them to play any other type of board game at the moment, but they both love Ticket to Ride. Uh, Lou's aunt and uncle, they got Ticket to Ride for Christmas. They love it. It's like it just seems that really nice, understandable level of accessible for adult board gaming um, that's still got a bit of mind, uh, you know, still got a bit of bones to it. And it's trains. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Accessories. Paul, what's your accessory of choice? I picked on the accessory front from the dice shop online.com. I've spent a fair bit of money there actually. So uh, no sponsorship, but definitely recommend is they do a set of set of dice where you get from a D three up to a D hundred. Now, you know, for, for most of our listeners, they might know that you can get D hundreds by essentially rolling two D tens, one, one covering the tens and one covering the units. But this includes a giant, big, round, hundred-sided dice for you to to lob about, which is a lot of fun. But I think when you're getting into the hobby, there are some games where you might just want to roll a dice to work out a start player or to calculate different things or or even just as identifications for point markers and stuff like that. So I think it's a, a nice, handy little accessory to have. Yep, good choice. Everyone definitely wants to get their hands on one of those... Uh... Those giant war sun dice. They're brilliant, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Good, Tom. What's your uh, what's your accessory? I'm being a bit broad here, but I think they're quite cool. Is that uh, you can get uh, from from sites like Etsy uh, stickers for your favourite game. So lots of things like of games that are really popular and, and common in people's collections, like Everdell and Final Girl. I wrote Wingspan down here, but I don't think I meant Wingspan. Um, but there are lots of of those sorts of things. And they're not too expensive either. And it's just the, the kind of thing that I, I think there are some slightly crap ones out there, but some nice ones that kind of elevate the game. Some steady hands in terms of sticking them onto your little meeples and so on. But but that's the idea. That it, It's not really the kind of beginner gamer, but there's ones that I've looked at where you can... Um, change your scythe 
meeples into uh you know just slightly more colorful versions of them which uh, uh which i like so have a look on etsy just search uh board game accessories you'll come up with loads or even just stickers uh for your board games and there's tons good 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 but you know etsy in general is a great place to look for for little board game presents and knickknacks and accessories and stuff right and it helps yeah. to support little little independent creators um in truth my entry for this um level should be what i've got paul for his secret santa but uh that would be spoiler alert so i've picked something else and uh, another great fallback i think for for the sort of the non slash beginner gamer is various t-shirts so again Really, you could get this from Etsy, from from Amazon, from, you know, even companies like Next and TK Maxx are starting to sell some stuff that are uh, related to board games. Um, But so and I think we're going to put links to all of the stuff that we're recommending in the show notes. So uh, if you're interested, then check it out. But, uh, you know, I found on on Amazon for 18 quid, a a quite a cool looking uh, Star Wars Christmas T-shirt. So it's, um, you know, Christmas tree made out of uh, various Star Wars characters. Or you could also pick something that's a bit punny and slogany from some of the the sort of the good beginner games. So, like, there's quite a few Catan T-shirts of like, you know, we don't want your sheep, or we built this city on rock and wheat, um, and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think, and and I don't know, I quite like I quite like a board gamey T-shirt to uh, to wear on game night. So, yeah, that'd be my pick. Yeah, I think those are cool. I've looked at quite a few. Okay, so moving away from the beginner gamer, let's talk about the kind of the midweights gamer. Um, what sort of presents are we going to get for those? Let's start again with the game, and let's begin with Tom. If we go around to you on this uh, section, yeah, I, I hope I'm not sort of misjudging this. Um, I've sort of thought your midweight gamer is someone who is familiar with your your wingstamp spans, your 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 obviously your Catans and terraforming Mars can tackle something that's a little bit more challenging and i've gone with distilled i think distilled is probably one of the best games i've played this year i've only played it once and we are you know trying to be be less led by first opinions on on podcasts these days but it's just brilliant you know particularly for a game that i was perhaps not expecting a huge amount of didn't know much about it 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 just rewarded um you know the the, the play that we had and what i mean by rewarded the play it, it just was a game that was really enjoyable and not too complicated and something that was a bit different it wasn't a theme that we'd done before anyway so you can pick that one up um for 65.99 so it's a little bit more expensive but there's a lot of content in there so it really is worth it good quality components as well um and that's from magic madhouse very good. Yeah, that's uh, that's one that's in my collection. Yeah, really, really pleased with this. And I, I, I just I enjoy the theme. It's a bit different, isn't it? Making mm-hmm. boots. And I quite like the whole. Yeah, it's got a couple of interesting mechanics that I've not seen elsewhere. So, yeah, yeah very good pick, Paul. Your game for a midweight gamer. I've I've kind of also tried to aim it quite literally. So if the board game geek weight rating is out of five, this comes in at two point five one. So uh, is right in the middle. And that's Clank Catacombs. Um, not actually one I've played, but one I'd like to play. I like the Clank system. I've enjoyed Clank in Space, original Clank, Ape Lord expansion. And this one looks very good where you're building out your, your board area by placing tiles rather than starting with a pre-made map. So that'd be my choice for the Midweight Gamer and is coming in at fifty two ninety nine. So kind of that middle price bracket as well it's not going to break the bank um but it's not one of the cheaper games yeah so um spoiler alert the three of us actually shared our choices prior to uh, getting together tonight and uh, annoyingly that <laughs> is exactly what i was going to pick for the uh for the midweight gamer um so so yeah i definitely think that's a a good option um i think from memory that was one of the games that I was kind of hoping might have turned up in my stocking last year. Yeah, um, same for me. Yeah, uh, and I wouldn't, and, and and I think that still stays on my Christmas list. So, if Louise, if you're listening, um, then uh, then Clank Catacombs is definitely a good shout. Uh, so, the one that I've recommended instead for the midweight gamer is Turing Machine. 
Um, it's been a huge hit for me this year. Um, we've talked about it on the pod a couple of times. It's had a restock now, so um, you don't need to worry about paying a lot for it. Um, it's a really, really reasonable price of £30 from, from lots of various retailers. Um, and it's just, again, it's something a bit different. It's a bit of a distilled. It's it's that whole kind of analog computer trying to guess the code. Um, Louise absolutely lo- uh, adored this. She, uh, she, she got well into it. Uh, and we've had over 25 plays of this this year so not many games i can say that about all righty and what about an accessory for your mid-weighted gaming friend tom so i found this quite fun thing um which is a uh probably best focused on on uh, a group that meets regularly uh, and maybe is a little bit competitive in terms of the, the number of wins that they've got uh and this is a uh, a five by five board game challenge game so uh it's like say the competitive bits depends on the way in which you approach it um this is a very simple thing that i found on again on etsy um which is a wooden board uh to track uh either the games that you have played and how many plays so it's a common thing in the hobby right to want to try and play the same game five times ten times um this one tracks to five uh but I have seen somebody use it as well to track wins. So more generally to have this as your gaming group that you're tracking the five people who are, are in that group and uh, the number of wins. If you don't care about that kind of thing, it's more about games. I guess you can use it as you want. Anyway, that's 15 quid uh, on, on Etsy. I thought that was a bit of fun. I saw this when you you sent it out and I'd not seen anything like it before. And I think it, I think that it looks really good. And of all of the midway accessories, I think this is the best one. Yeah, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's definitely a, a good little bit of fun. So my one is more of a practical gift than a, than a, than a fun one. But um, I think for many a mid-weight game, you're into the hobby now. You've got a few games that you own that are your favourites. Uh, I reckon you're ready for your first ever folded space insert yeah. uh, to uh, to sort one of your games out. Now, if you're not familiar with what these are, these are little kind of styrofoam um contraptions that you have to put together yourself with some pva glue over way more time than you'd expect it would take um <laughs> but when you're done you've got a replacement box insert for your favorite game now i would give a caveat that i think that there are folded space inserts for games that don't need them i.e seven wonders the insert for that is absolutely fine the way it is it doesn't need changing I think that there are some games where the folded space absolutely makes or breaks it because they can be so pivotal in improving pack up and set down time that it just makes it a much more enjoyable experience. So if it were in stock and if I had pulled Tom for my secret Santa, I might have got Tom the uh, the folded space insert for Lost Ruins of Arnak because... Again, that's one of those where it just massively improves um, setup time. I got quite into Spirit Island. Uh, I can't remember whether it was last year or the year before. Uh, and I was playing loads of it on the app and I could never be bothered to get the box out because it was just too much of a hassle. The the, the folded space for that just massively helps just just pull things out. And, and Tom, one of the first ones you ever got me was the root one. That's so good to just be like, cool, there's your faction done um so yeah folder space inserts they're great paul what's your midweight accessory why thank you for asking neil <laughs> um <clears throat> so i've gone with a dice tower now these are massively available everywhere i've i've picked specifically for this episode the uh tech dice tower from wayland games which is 14 pounds and nine pence um which seemed quite reasonable. It's one of these laser-cut MDF jobs, so you've, you've got the fun of popping it out and gluing it together. They, they do, I mean, we talked about it last year. You can get, you know, solid wood, one-of-a-kind ones for a few hundred quid, and I guess it depends how much you love your nearest and dearest uh, to how much you spend. But these are great, and they just add a little bit of fun to throwing dice for people that are playing very dice-heavy games. You know, clacking through the tower and popping out the bottom and seeing the result. Yeah, I'm I'm that personality that really enjoys a dice tower. It's good. It's a bit of, bit of drama, a bit of fun, whacking them down, as you say. Yeah. 
Alrighty, okay. And then for the real heavyweight gamer in your uh, in your family or in your group, what would be a good game for them, Paul? So the game I picked is Fire in the Lake. It, yeah. You know, it's a game we've we've played. I, I think it's brilliant. It's currently eighty four ninety five, which I think is quite reasonable for what you get in the box, um, uh, and is a nice chunky heavyweight coin game that yeah. everyone should. It's great. Really, really good. It's a brilliant game. Excellent. Tom? Mine is slightly led by myself and my own choices. Um, so <laughs> you mentioned Ticket to, to Ride before. I have been looking for some time at Ticket to Ride Legacy. Now, I've put this in the heavyweight gamer because you know, I mean, this, this is a heavy box, so partly it, but... It's it is ticket to ride, but has then got it, its campaign going. So I don't think this is heavyweight in terms of its complexity, but it, it, these are the sort of games. And I, I think with with a lot of campaign games, um, it needs to be a certain amount of commitment and interest to do it. It's probably maybe a bit more in the midweight, but I wanted to put this in somewhere. Uh, the idea here is that you are, uh, you know, we were talking about in the last episode about forging your way across America. In the, the 1800s, uh, you're doing this here, but on a ticket to ride uh, kind of level. Got lots of kind of yeah, nice little good uh, sort of unlock elements to it as well. As you progress through the campaign, you kind of build that out. No doubt get sort of different trains and different little components that you'll be able to play with and you know, all sorts of, of, of fun there. It is fairly widely available right now. Um, I imagine this this could be one that uh, might be a bit more difficult to get hold of later. Uh, Chaos Cards currently have it for seventy five ninety five, um, and you know if if I can may say so, I don't want this to be too indulgent. But this this is definitely on my wish list. So my choice for the heavyweight gamer kind of encapsulates a little bit of a theme, but I've gone for hegemony, lead your class to victory, because. It's the sort of game that I'm struggling to buy for myself because realistically, it's barely ever going to hit the table. Yeah. But if someone else bought it for me, I'd be ecstatic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you open yeah. that up as a gift, and and the, and other games that are similar for me would be like Nucleum. Probably not going to. Probably wouldn't get that to the table. Horseless Carriage or like a Splotter, like a Food Chain Magnate or something. Like they're all. I'd almost call them like selfish little games that I'm desperate to play, but probably aren't going to get to the table anytime soon. So can't really justify spending the money. That's the only reason I haven't bought that game yet. But if someone else got it for me, <laughs> hoorah. <laughs> it just looks fantastic. I, I, I regret, but I don't regret um, not not playing that when we had the opportunity at Yugo Games Expo. I really wanted to do it. I would have loved to have done it, but... I was just absolutely shattered. My brain was done by that point, so it probably wouldn't have, have, have gone very well. But, wow, it looks amazing. Yeah, hegemony. I, I would be all over it. We just need to find uh, two more people, I think, to, to get the most out of it, Neil. So Steve's definitely keen. He's um, He kind of asked why I didn't have it yet. But... Yeah, Neil, why haven't you bought it? <laughs> I think he's tempted as well, to be fair, so I was kind of hoping that he would. Yeah, that's cool. All right. And an accessory, Paul? So... It's quite expensive, my choice, um, but I've gone with a personalised gaming mat. So the one I looked at was four by four. It's double sided and would cost ninety five pounds and ninety four pence. But it's from a company called Deep Cut Studio. So they do gaming mats in kind of any size you want. They they're all sort of custom made to order. They've got a huge selection of pre-done images that you can have on these, or you can upload your own. So if you want something specific and you can get the image made, then you can upload that. You can then choose to overlay either a grid or a hex on the top of it. So if you're using it for a specific, potentially war game, but we all use neoprene mats and like Tom, your neoprene for twilight imperium is great um so sometimes you want something specific for that particular game but especially if you're also into war games or sometimes just generic to theme the game you're playing you know i'm i've looked at 
not necessarily these, but some that are sort of grass on one side and space or sea on the other side. So depending on your game, you can kind of put put one of those out. Um, but yeah, so this is Deep Cut Studio and they will personalize a gaming mat with images and a size to your choice. But it is not a cheap present. So you would probably have to really love the person you're buying it for. The one uh, little caveat that I would say on here is that the the other <laughs> this is the other one where uh, I was last in with my picks. Um, so I had picked as a gift for the midweight gamer a triple XL Titan Wolf PC gaming mat, which is basically uh, 150 centimeters by 80 centimeter stitched neoprene mat that looks proper smart, that fits most tables and fits most games. And Paul and I both have exactly the same as our kind of standard gaming neoprene. And I think that that's also a really good, affordable option for a mid or heavyweight gamer. I don't know about you guys. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah. But yeah, if you love me more, you'll get me the personalized four by four. I've looked at these mats and I'd love to be the sort of person who has a library of them. Like, okay, what game we're playing? We're just going to select that one. You know, that'd be, yeah. that'd be amazing. It'd be really yeah. nice. And I love the option of creating your own images that you could also upload. So I think for, for people, and I think maybe this is more drifting into war game territory rather than board game territory. But But for those people that want to, Play, play a campaign through of a certain you know certain war game but they're going to be coming back to it time and time again then being able mm. to use aerial footage of the of the site would uh, really add to that yeah i admit i've been looking at some for our six mil stuff wouldn't need such a big map though no yeah massive one goes all <laughs> the way across my table but we i looked i looked for ages for the three by threes for, for when we were playing lots of armada or a four by six or something they're just yeah they get expensive fast mm. good tom your accessory so mine is unhelpful because it's currently out of stock but i'm going to use it as an example of something that i think that uh a lot of sort of heavy gamers people really into their gaming would would enjoy and that is uh, replacement components so I have lots of the upgrade stuff for scythe there's loads more out there for brass whether it's the iron clays or there's um you know really nice little uh cubes of coal and iron that you can get and the trains and all this kind of stuff um so the one that I've chosen is the dune imperium uh, upgrade kit which has faction specific molds of um, your little Fremen and your your Harkonnens and so on that you can play with. You've got the expansions for that for Dune Imperium. It gives you the little dreadnoughts and all, all those kind of things. There's plastic minis, sure, plastic. Ugh, maybe not not loving that, but the the quality of what you can get in this stuff is so good. It is pricey. Uh, it's fifty three ninety five. As the best price I can I could find. It is out of stock, as I said, but um, I think maybe just take that as a as a wider example of how those kind of things for that person's favorite game, be that scythe, brass, whatever it is, getting that kind of uh, uh, component improvement is is great. And I think one of the reasons why I sort of think about those sort of things is that somebody who's a heavyweight gamer has probably already got a lot of the games that they want. Yeah. Right. And so I think that the next level thing, like the mats, which I think is a great suggestion, is is getting, um, if you like, improvements, making the game that they have got premium. And again, Etsy is a great place to look for that. But uh, for those sort of more premium things, the um, like the, the the iron clays and so on, you can get them more more sort of on on your board game um, retailers. So the iron clays were my. And specifically, the iron clays were my were my pick. Um, I didn't go for them because they're currently not in stock, so I figured that's not a very helpful uh, Christmas uh, <laughs> Christmas list. But as the, as a heavy gamer, especially someone who's trying to get in or who's getting more and more into eighteen XXs, those iron clays are just stunning, and they can replace any sort of bank counter that you're looking for. The problem that I've got is I've already got a few of the iron clays with my deluxe edition of brass Lancashire but nowhere near enough to create a bank that you'll need for an 18xx game. So um, so they're really good. Uh, instead, because uh, your wife or partner or friend has bought you that game Hegemony that you were looking for for Christmas, um, 
then uh, I decided to keep it cheap on the accessory front. Uh, and I would recommend something along the lines of the X trays or the the sort of, you know, the general kind of plastic component trays for, for, yeah. for um, um, so these ones are from Athena Games, but component trays, I bought some of, I remember when I first got Wingspan and Wingspan comes with the little plastic cases that's got the eggs yeah. and they are curved uh, underneath. So you don't face the whole like, chubbly finger pushing a token into a corner kind of effect the tokens slip out and i was like oh my god they're amazing i went on uh board game extras and they had some of the official stone mile ones for sale so i think i got like 10 more of those cases of those pots and i just use them all the time it's so good for component organization and storage and i think that those x-trays are a really really good size because so often you don't need massive piles of you know, you don't need goo pots for for a few a few spice tokens in June Imperium or or, yeah. or whatever. Uh, so that's my pick uh, for your for your for your heavyweight gamer. So we don't just want to talk a big game about buying gifts for each other. We actually want to back it up and go ahead and and actually buy some gifts to each other. So we've done uh, our own little secret Santa between us. Uh, Paul, your gift is from me. So do you want to start us off? Remember that this is a audio only um, production. So talk us through exactly what you've got. Mine's lovingly wrapped in an Amazon package. (laughs) Well, they do it best. I think you'll find it's not, but yeah. Mine's lovingly wrapped in an Etsy package. (laughs) They also do it best. Tension. You can open it. The suspense is killing us. I think that's the high blood pressure, actually. I have got I have got a calendar puzzle. Hey, hold it up, lad. Hang on, I think there's other... I think Paul might recognise this. Yes, because I think you've got this at home. So it's one of these puzzles with um, Tetris-style pieces. Also known as? Tetris pieces. Polyominoes. And you put them in... And they will line up each day to signify the day and month. So you've got a little puzzle to do every single day of the year. Nice. Thank you very much, Noel. Okay. We genuinely love our one of those in this house. And it gets done every day. Or should I say it got done every day until Boona chewed up one of the pieces. But <sighs> Dogs. Boona. Dogs. Right. Well, you carry on. If you hear any clanking in the background, it's me trying to work. What's the date? <laughs> uh tom your gift is from paul what have you got well i've got a lovingly wrapped uh gift here full of uh rudolph's wrapping sound effects here we've got a brown cardboard box exciting uh we've got some cell tape and i don't have any scissors to hand so we'll see what we can do the power of grayskull there you go Right, so this is from you, Paul. Let's have a look. Aha! <laughs> ah, good lad. Is this why you're telling me to hold off on buying any? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's exactly what I was telling you. <laughs> well, I'm so dumb, I didn't work that out at all. So what Paul has got me is the fantastic <laughs> uh, thing that I definitely need now as we're engaging our six millimeter uh, uh wargaming pit of uh of of money pit i mean um i've got a painting set seems to have eight uh different colors in it from um warlord games i've also got a battlefield grass green for all the bases which is very nice and it looks like i've got an army painter brush crikey that's small why did we do six your minis uh, so yeah, that's brilliant. Thanks, Paul. That's it's it's called Wargamer Insane Detail. <laughs> very nice, very useful. I'm gonna have to get on and actually paint after all this time. I'm finally gonna start painting. Thank you very much. Those oh, are great. Exciting. That was also uh, when we were talking about brushes and paints and stuff in uh, in the Discord the other day. I was like, oh, I don't get anything yet. I'll. Uh, I'm sure I've got stuff I can give you. <laughs> very good. Well done. Well done. Thank you very much for that. Very good. 
All right, so my uh, my present is from Tom. It is cylindrical and firm in nature, uh, and we've got a lovely uh, a lovely blue Santa wrapping paper. Uh, clearly, one of my dogs thinks it's for her, so she's trying to get involved. I'm, uh, I'm just getting through the epidermis of the wrapping paper. We've got a cardboard tube inside to Tom Marshall Evans. Don't read out the address. To Tom Evans. <laughs> Did you know his mum's maiden name was? <laughs> got my pin number I wonder, I wonder if this is what I was going to get for Paul so it's wrapped in paper it's some form of poster I hope it's alright I have to be fair I didn't actually look at it I, did, <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to ruin the wrapping <laughs> ah very nice too it's a stylized poster featuring the vagabond from Root Oh, very lovely. very nice Thomas thank you very much some wonderful artwork that is there's some really good ones. I don't know if you guys have seen them. Um, they're done in a style of those, you know, like travel posters um, for for whatever. But they are all sorts of board games, and I thought it'd be amazing to put those up in the in the cabin. Yeah, man, perfect gift. Thank you very very much. Welcome. I um I don't know if you noticed, you don't often go in our lounge, but I've got a Zamat poster in that kind of stylized. Yeah, right. Nice. It's that Same. sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. They're like Excellent. the old railway poster sort of style, isn't it? Excellent. The puzzles are stupid. <laughs> well, I'm made up with my gift. Great. I'm I'm made up with mine, but I'm slowly losing my One. with it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that wraps up episode 37. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you heard and would like to help us out, then please spread the word and recommend us to a friend who you think might also like the show. We have details of all of our socials over on www.imhavingmyone.com and you can check out pictures of what we've been playing on our Instagram or join the conversation over on our Discord channel. We've been I'm Having My One and we hope you have yours too. Bye now. Bye. See ya. I'm having my one. I'll still be doing this puzzle by the next episode.